Hi folks, uh, no content warnings for the interview this week, but it's a fun one. So yeah, there's that. I should mention that we have cats, one of whom is, uh, what is the right term for lounging? Sergei is lounging on my desk with threats to lounge and roll over onto my keyboard. Yes. So that's, that's how he rolls. But there are dogs, there are cats. There are chickens. There are there are several uh, uh, pet refugees currently in residence. Due as, to heat, yes. Yes, as uh, Shep is crashing with us for a couple of weeks during the hottest part of the summer. Yes. Uh, so, oh dear God, hi Hobbs, and now Hobbs is trying to wend his way. I I love how he tries to go through these small spaces between my monitors and cables and things like he's still tiny. Yes, Hobbs has Hobbs the kitten who was a wee kitten has grown into. A gigantic bruiser, and yeah, does not realize it, and is in fact a total marshmallow. And his smaller brother uh, rules the house, and Hobbs just doesn't even fight him. So it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a thing. He's our friend Liz calls him a himbo, and she's not wrong. He's pretty. He means well. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Sergey, you did the thing where you adjusted my screen. So anyway, yeah, and I should mention finally that often when we swear, which we do quite frequently, it yes. is at an animal. Mostly Sergey. Yes. Yes. Uh, Who's my idle thug? Who's my little one-eyed monster? That's you. Yes, uh, we do swear. We may swear in the, the course of recording. Sergey may roll over onto the keyboard. And Again. Though we'll be cursing. Yeah. So hi folks, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 208. I have an interview with uh, Dr. Catherine Firth later today, later this episode. I mean, I don't know why I said later today. It's It's been that kind of a day, Yeah, I want to say. You've, you've, uh, you didn't get a lot of sleep last no. night and for reasons and feeling a little little rough yeah, around the edges up early because i had to run a meeting but uh i believe i did reasonably well running the meeting so and then had another meeting and another because that's just how wednesdays roll now meeting extravaganza yeah but uh i'm having a good time at work the, the project management is going okay it's always you know if we miss target dates and we don't communicate it enough. It's my fault. And if we hit those dates and everything works out, it's the team's success. So that is that is the burden of management. Yeah, yes. yeah, especially when you're doing a project. And one of the things I've noticed is there's a lot of call for product managers and trying to lump them in with the same duties as a project manager. And they're really two different things. Mm. And so that's something I'm, I'm kind of struggling with as I'm looking at like internal job opportunities. I'm like, Hey, I would really like to be doing this. And we don't have any project managers. It's all product managers. And I really, I, I love our customers in the abstract uh, yes. And talking to them directly and addressing their needs and getting that prioritized across multiple teams sounds like absolute hell to me. Yeah. Uh, there are customer service people who love interfacing with the public, and then there's everyone else. I'm not saying I couldn't do it, but... But you wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be happy. 
No, you have happy. a great customer service voice. I've heard yes. it. You you are good at working con security, but then you go home and, you know, live in your cave with your chickens for a while. I mean, the chickens don't come into my cave, but you, the general yeah. idea, yeah. Yeah. Thinking of chickens, uh, you we, we heard the first stirrings of Lucky the Rooster. The Bantam Rooster. The Bantam Rooster crowing today. It and sounds like a kazoo solo, like someone trying to imitate a rooster crow on a kazoo. And I need to get a recording of it because it is really a buddy, you tried moment. And it's not as bad as it could be if you have ever seen one of the, the super micro bantams, oh like the, the ones that are, that full grown are, you know, like, are there still bantams or are they another size now? I have no idea. Yeah, there's, there's uh, various chickens that are, are tiny, tiny. And, yes. Uh, like, when they crow, it's like you begin giggling uncontrollably. It's just... They are so fierce, and they weigh half a pound at most, if yeah. that. And they're, uh, and they make this this tiny, high pitched squeak, and yeah, it, it's yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. And that's that's. I mean, I don't want tiny, tiny chickens like that because I mean, we've already got enough problems with the big chickens just sort of stepping on and walking over the bantams. <laughs> Well, and, yes. you know, I I don't want to have something that's, like, if it gets stepped on or stepped over like that, it's going to, you know, be squished, like, in a permanent way. Yes, yes. Whereas the bantams scream and run away, and the other chicks are like, oh, shit, was there something under my foot? Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we would probably not want to go to that size. But nevertheless, no. Lucky the Rooster Crowing is adorable. Uh, if Lucky is not an asshole, then he gets to stick around. But, yes. of course, we have the the no bad roosters policy, which means not that there are no bad roosters, but that we eat them. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're, they're good in the yard roosters, and they're good in the oven roosters, and this is a fact of life. Yes. So, And yeah. if any of you are vegans who are now sending off that angry email... How could I and how cruel I am? Trust me, they have the best life one could possibly hope for for a rooster, and a really bad five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah, that which is which is honestly, it's the one bad day philosophy of of raising livestock. You want them to be deliriously happy their entire life, and then have five minutes where they're going, wait, what? And then are on to Chicken Nirvana. Yeah. Thinking of, of chickens who did not go to Chicken Nirvana, Becky has almost finished regrowing all of her back feathers. Yeah, she is healed up. It's been like, what, two months? Uh, it was, uh, when I posted on Twitter, I want to say last week, it had been 63 days. So yeah, two months, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, completely healed up from the sort of wound that would destroy, if not destroy a human... Uh, we might just now be getting out of intensive care. Yeah, it kind was, of thing. It, yeah, it just wow. Okay. Yeah. Chickens, dinosaurs with. Well, dinosaurs had feathers too. Small dinosaurs. Small di dinosaurs with beaks instead of snouts. Dinosaur uh, tailless dinosaurs with beaks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, no, I've I've been you know doing good. I've got several more interviews going on. Um. I have 
uh, mini vacation for myself with a bunch of friends in about two weeks. So starting to make plans for transportation now. It's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And several people are excited because they would be happy to sit down and talk to me about how they stay productive. Excellent. So, you know, fingers crossed on that one. Hey, hey. I, uh... Oh, you've been, you've had a week. I, in a good way, I yeah. finished a book yesterday, sent it off to the editor, and uh, then had the, the day, the, the sort of post-book despair, which is yes, inevitable, yes. where you just kind of lay on the bed and go, woe is me, what have I done, everyone will hate it, it shames my ancestors. Uh, so I took today off and I celebrated my, my success there. There you go. There you go. I went and bought a couple houseplants. I shouldn't get into houseplants. I've known for years I shouldn't get into houseplants. It's slowly happening. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm going to stop there and, and see, you know, with what I have and, and see if any of them survive living with me and we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. And, uh, for the rest of this week, I am only going to work on projects that I am inspired or want to work on. And okay, then, yeah. Starting Monday, I have six weeks to finish you have six a weeks horror to novel. Yeah. It's half written though, so it's fine. Oh well, okay then. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I mean, you've read it. It's the it's the whole yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, uh, I just have to make it not suck, and uh, yeah. You have plenty of time and. It has a good foundation, and it doesn't suck so far. Yes. Oh, God. Anyway. Anyway, yes, it won't be scary. Everyone will hate it. I will be eaten by wolves. My editor will send me letters suggesting that I have an intervention. Welcome to the Writer's Lament, ladies and gentlemen, and others, <laughs> folks. Sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I forgot myself on that one. Yes, but... Uh, writer's yeah. Lament. This is this happens. Yeah. It's every writer I know, every time they get to either this point or just after they turn the book into their editor, they do this. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin has, has had to, I need you to read this book and I need you to read it right now. Or yep. I'm going to, you know, uh, curl into fetal position and... And weep, yes. So, yeah, that's about where I am. Right. Yeah. And then, if I'm reading it right now, there's always that moment where I'm like, if you don't stop jumping, every time I have a sniffle, going, what was that, what was that, and it's hay season, thank you very much, I'm going to go read in the car. Uh, yes, well, when Kevin is reading, and uh, uh, and Kevin laughs or snorts when he reads, and I'm always immediately, what was that? What did you laugh at? What did you snort at? What, what, what? Tell me, tell me the good bit. Yes, uh, Kevin is a remarkably patient person in that regard. And I'm very grateful he reads my books because, uh, you know. I try. Yeah. I try. And I enjoy them. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a perk. It's a perk. Thinking of writers, Dr. Catherine Firth, who has written books on getting your PhD. Oh, Wow. Yes. That is a very different topic than uh, mm -hmm. writing a novel. And helps other people uh, work through their PhD 
And, and I'm sure that there are frequently people in the PhD thing having the, oh God, I have shamed my ancestors curled in fetal position. Yes. Except you can't just make your significant other read your thesis and demand to know when they laugh. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a thing. But we had a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. And we are now going to whisk you away to the faraway land of New Zealand where Dr. Firth lives. And I will have that chat with her right after this. here today with Dr. Catherine Firth, and we are going to find out how a PhD in Australia, is that correct? Um, uh, so that's not where I got my PhD, but it's where I help people get PhDs now. Okay, okay. Um, but how, how you stay productive, and I'm excited. So can you introduce your heck of a better than I just did, and uh, tell us more about what it Thanks so much, Kevin. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, before I start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land uh, which I'm calling from. So this is Nam or Melbourne, uh, and those are the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, uh, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Um, so I have a PhD that I got in the UK. Um, I now live and work in Melbourne, Australia, where um, a lot of my work, uh, so I'm an author, I'm a blogger, I'm a teacher, um, is about helping people finish their PhD. Uh, and I have a couple of books about that, uh, Your PhD Survival Guide, which is about the final sort of six to 12 months of your PhD and how to fix your academic writing trouble. So um, <laughs> that's that's what I do. And a lot of that is about helping other people stay productive, which has made me think a lot about how I stay productive. Ah, yes. Well, and on that very topic, how do you stay productive? <laughs> I find that um, staying productive is different every day. Um, right. So every day there's a different sort of challenge between me and what's going to keep me productive. So some days it's about motivation, some days it's about energy, some days it's about everything else that's going on in my life. Uh, sometimes it's about, you know, we're in Melbourne, we've just gone back into another COVID lockdown. So, you know, external stuff suddenly throws a spanner in the works. Um, and one of the things that I think I found really helpful helping other people find ways to be productive is I built a huge productivity toolbox. Um, and yeah. I've learned to have a big toolbox to be able to kind of go and find the tool that's going to be right for today and also not to have any kind of moral hang-ups about certain tools being more worthy or more right for the job or some tools making things too easy or, you know, any of those things. I'm just like, no, if it's a tool, it works. Maybe this tool, which usually works for me, it's not working for me today. Put it back in the toolbox, find something else, just keep trying, throwing things at the problem until you start moving. Um, and so my tools include 
uh, some of your classics, your Pomodoro technique. Love a good Pomodoro. Um, something about that timer, 25 minutes. And you're like, actually, I could, I could do that. And I better hurry up. <laughs> but also there's a break. Um, so, you know, taking rest is a huge one that I'm like, you know, have I eaten enough? Have I looked after myself? Um, and thinking about rewards as well. So one of the other things I love about the Pomodoro technique is that like every time you finish, you're like little gold star for Catherine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, um, you know, is it emotional? Is it physical? Is it, you know, cognitive? Like what tool? Try everything. Um, and be okay with things sort of sometimes working and sometimes not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm finding uh, right now time boxing is sort of a big thing for me. Yeah. And the occasion- yeah, the more. Oh no, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say the more unstructured, you know, like I'm now working fully from home. Um, the more unstructured my life is, the more a time box just, you know, gives my day some structure right. and stops everything sort of falling over. Yeah. I was going to say that and the uh, productivity streams on Twitch, where people mm-hmm. are doing sort of like a here's a shared Pomodoro session. And what do you plan on accomplishing? Well, I have a meeting this hour. So, okay, sure, we'll put down and, you know, sort of holding each other accountable during, uh, during the thing. Um, fascinating stuff. Absolutely. Yes, I am. Um, when I. And more face to face. And when I was running these things in organizations, we'd often run a sessions called Shut Up and Write, which is exactly that. Get everybody in either physically or virtually together and just be like, okay, so what's everybody working on? Somebody's going to set the timer. Um, when we're together, there are snacks. Um, <laughs> when you're on your own, the snacks are your job. Um, yeah. And that, that just so productive, so motivating, so helpful. Yeah. I think even, um, I, I, there are a couple of writers that Ursula is friends with, and they're doing like, we're going to do uh, a productivity jam today, and they're basically doing POMOs like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, virtually. Yeah. Yeah. Virtually works just as well, um, I think, because it, it's it's the magic of knowing that other people are there, but they're also not going to get in your space, which yep. you know you achieve through silence when you're – working together physically, but you can achieve in a whole range of ways digitally just stick yourself on mute. And then the fact that I often work out what I'm thinking by talking aloud doesn't bother anybody else. You can <laughs> fidget, you can, you know, play loud music that leaks, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what other tools do you have tucked away in that toolbox? A lot of my tools are sort of calendar planning to do kind of tools. Um, So, you know, I have my digital calendar that is shareable, that people that I use for my day to day stuff that moves around a lot that other people can see and other people can slot stuff into. Um, But then I also have a paper like month to view calendar that I like to be able to see um, everything that's kind of coming up in the big picture. So you know, zoom down, zoom out, big year wall planner Mm -hmm. um, to kind of have a sense of like the pattern of the year. I work in higher education. So, you know, we have a pattern of semesters and non-semesters and that's pretty, you know, there's high feasts and holidays. There's different stages a year. So a lot of that. And then 
I have sort of to-do lists, but I don't like those granular kind of to-do lists. I keep thinking that I should like those granular kind of to-do lists. <laughs> I hate them so much. Uh, I feel micromanaged by myself, mm-hmm. oh, and no. I I don't oh. respond well to that. So I have big picture to-do uh, lists. My favorite sort of stuck-in-one-place one is my whiteboard, which you can see behind me, um, but people listening can't. Um, where I map out all my current writing projects so I know where I'm at, what my next task is for that, and what its big deadline is. Um, and then I also love Workflowy, which is just oh, yeah, as yeah, good yeah, yeah, as yeah. scribbling a thing on a piece of paper, but somehow it's on your phone and on your other computer. And, yeah, yeah, so really like the way it's just so minimal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've experimented with work. I don't think it really clicked with me, but I'm so old school, so many things don't, that I'm just like, I love this app, and it does not work for me. I think also people's emotional, like, a to-do list is meeting Mm -hmm. an emotional need and a cognitive need, and it's the the exact gap between your brain and your heart and the thing you have to do. Um, And one of the things that's brilliant is that there's so many different uh, apps for that so like oh, workflowy yeah. fits my gap and you know what is it that you use uh at the moment i'm actually because work is all um github issues all of the the ecosystem around github and then for the bigger thing i i actually have to move the entire like stand um i, I gotta am i gonna see the, the, the planner yes <gasps> yes so this is this is what oh, a week wow. looks like with the color coding and, and all that yeah um and, uh, yeah, no, Workflowy wouldn't work for you at all. That's way too visual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look over, like, I have my regular calendar right there in front of me, like my, my digital calendar to keep mm. up with meetings and things. I still have a checkbox to check off that I did them on the paper planner. But, and I'll check you off right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tick! But, yeah, having that visual to be able to just look and reference what I need in a quick reference has been become very, very valuable. And now that I have a stand where it's upright and that can't push it off my desk uh, yet. And <laughs> or sit on it. I mean, the other thing about yeah. me having like the big planner out, I find is that that's my, my cat's like perfect places for me to sit. Yes. Shaw in particular has been very, he's asleep over here now to my left, which is, hey, Shaw. you know, yeah. Um, yeah, he's out. He's being adorable. Um, but yeah, no, cats will find like the thing you want to refer to and just sit on. Yep. And orange cat, please stop licking the pages. There's, there's nothing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. My day, ladies and gentlemen. My day and other people. Yes, my day, folks. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, no, so so finding that tool and that, that right thing for you is really important. And I found it's changed over my career. So, like, when I'm in the kind of um, – so I, I'm half-time, I have a kind of university management kind of role where I care about things like HR and mm-hmm. have a lot of checklists and a lot of, you know, induction stuff and programming. That's right. very detailed. And so I find Workflowy I use intensively in those kinds of roles, whereas in my writing roles, I find, you know, like a big picture thing 
writing a book is the same every time you do it. I mean, the actual experience of it is different, but like you have to write a draft and then you have to yeah. edit it and then you send it in and they send you edits. Like the, it's pretty yeah. Yeah. standard. So like I don't need to like work out where I am in the Gantt chart of project workflow stuff and then explain it to other people because everybody's like, where are you up to? And I'm like, copy edits. And everybody knows what that means. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting to watch because often, like, I, I know so many different writers with so many different ways of doing it. You know, and everybody does it a little different with, okay, I'm going to do a draft and then I'm going to use that to create my manuscript, which that then goes to my editor. Or uh, I think it was Chuck Wendig was saying he writes it like a screenplay first. And then he's basically doing the novelization of the screenplay. And that's how he wrote the first Miriam Black book. And he's like, well, that works. <laughs> that would explain, that would also explain a lot about why his writing is so action, good dialogue, yeah. very cinematic. Like, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was sometime, I think I talked to, to Chuck sometime in the first year. So, okay, I'll dig back into the archives. Yeah, that's a that's a long that that yeah. It feels like I, I should see if uh, if he's got time for more. Now, uh, let's see what else have we got. Um, <laughs> thank you for taking the screenshot. Um, okay, we're leaning on the screenshot button now. That's no no. Okay. <laughs> this is yeah. This is my really. This is my biggest challenge in getting anything done. Is don't roll on the keyboard. Oh, for God's sake! Come here, come here. Okay, there you go. All right, so I have to hold the cat like a baby now. No beautiful cat. Yeah, I'm I'm completely gone now too. Like waving at the small cat. Yep. Yes. Uh, Right. Toolbox. Um, Changed over career depending on what you're doing. Um, It's hard to concentrate when you're holding a cat (laughs) scratching a belly. Okay, there you go. Is that enough? That's enough. See how long will her back up? So, are there? And we sort of talked about this in in passing. Um, mm-hmm. Pomodoro is a system, and I'm going to guess you have. And we've talked a little bit about some other systems. But what systems and habits are also valuable to you? In all of I think the habit. So, some people find it really hard to get focused or hard mm-hmm. to get started on work. And my problem has always been the opposite. So, I'm, you know, one of those people who's like, the thing I really had to learn as I came out of my 20s, through my 30s, and now my 40s was how to stop working, how to turn my brain off, how to take rest how to get enough exercise, uh, how to eat regular meals. So that's, you know, brains damage you in different ways, and, and mine yes. is one that capitalism loves, but Catherine's body does not. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, so I have um, I've really worked to build habits and systems uh-huh. and processes around making sure that um, so I just do basic things like put lunch as a item, recurring item in my diary. And every day I am reminded that I haven't eaten lunch yet. Um, and that's really helpful. Uh, sometimes when things are really busy, my partner texts me to check <laughs> if I've eaten lunch. So I am not ashamed to use other people in my life to uh, Having to an keep accountability buddy is fine. You know, Absolutely. everyone should have an accountability buddy if they need one. 
Um, so, you know, and that, that's, and sometimes I answer yes. Um, and in fact, now I take a photo of my lunch and text it to him when I'm out of the house. So he, he, <laughs> he like preemptively, no need to check in. See, I have been accountable. Um, I have a, and I, when I exercise, I used to try and exercise on my own and that was a disaster. So now I have a trainer or I go to a class. Um, we're not obviously going physically anywhere at the moment. So I'm doing those things online. Um, but you know, having, knowing that I'll hurt Amanda, my personal trainer's feelings, if I don't turn up to our session is really mo- is much more motivating to me than um, I will feel a lot better if I've you know right. done exercise. So um, for me, I think a lot of those habits have been um, both about doing them regularly, scheduling in time, um, making sure that I'm able to do that, but also just opening myself up to being not omnicompetent. Um, and getting other people. I actually also do that with my writing. I have a, um, I just hired somebody. I was like, please be my writing manager. We meet every six weeks and I report on my productivity. Uh, and she's like, you don't need me. I'm like, yes, I do. I don't need you to hold my hand every day for the rest of the six weeks, but I need to know that this meeting is coming up and then I will prioritize my own writing as opposed to, you know, picking up things here and there and sorting everybody else out. Yeah. Right, right. And I see you hydrating. That's good. I'm hydrating. Yep. So always, also always having water on my desk. If I don't have water on my desk, I don't drink it. So, yeah, completely yeah. out of sight, out of mind Same. for mm-hmm. a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm not careful, I will. I would still be drinking that second um, mug of coffee that I started just around lunchtime because self-heating mug. It's oh, so yeah. easy to just be like, it's still warm. Okay. And then I don't sleep. And then I, yeah. 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 Right. Anything else you want to cover in there? Um, No, because I know that there are other questions coming up. So ah, save, some okay, of my, save some of my things. Fair. Okay. Uh, also, don't forget, I am an educator in higher education. I could lecture for an hour. On productivity, which is not how a podcast works. So I'd be very careful to stop. No, no, yeah. no. I, and that actually does bring us up to, yeah, sort of the next question. And that is, um, how do you decide to do first or what's your daily routine look like? Because I'm guessing so my, with all of this going on, you have a routine. I have two routines. Ah. So I have a day in the office routine, which is like, Alarm clock goes off, get up, shower. I wear like makeup. I put on like a smart clothes, possibly even a suit. Sometimes I wear heels, get on my e-bike. I commute to the office. I do, uh, I start with email just to check that like everything's where it should be. Then I do meetings and emails and, you know, that kind of, I write reports, I write newsletters. So that kind of thing is my day right. at around five to six o'clock. I, my partner finishes work about the same time. We have a drink. I make dinner. We try to stop, you know, doing work stuff before dinner. And then we talk to each other and then we, we either hang out and read or, you know, yeah. hang out or whatever afterwards. So that's a kind of work day, which is a very kind of pretty set thing. If I'm... So the other half of my life, I'm 
a freelancer. So if I'm kind of very much about my own energy levels for that, so it's very self-motivated. So on those days, I get up when my body tells me it's time to get up. I listen to whether I'm like some days you wake up and the the stuff you need to write is blaring in your head and some days it's going to emerge a bit more slowly. Um, So that's very kind of organic. Um, Yeah, so I, I kind of flip almost ridiculously between this very structured, um, very kind of programmatic way of doing things and this like, where is the universe and where is my gut feeling? And maybe the two will come together. Um, and I've really found that with writing, that is the right answer. Um, if I try to start writing and I'm like, it's 10 o'clock and I should be writing, um, I might write or I might just, you know, blog through things. Whereas if I go for a walk, drink another cup of coffee, maybe do a bit of yoga, um, clear that thing that was annoying me out, and then start at 11, I could write, you know, a thousand words in an hour, you know, with it feeling quite easy um, or with it feeling difficult because it's a difficult section to write. Um, but it's yeah. the hardness is the real hardness. I've not invented the hardness. <laughs> I'm, I'm all of those, all of those terms and sort of the way you handle it, because that is uh, almost exactly like. You know, well, Ursula, I, I got a thousand words done today, but it was really on it was on a really hard bit. Or, you know, I hit my stride and did three thousand words today, or you know, it, it all it ebbs and flows, it ebbs and flows. Right? Absolutely. I think actually word count is I really want to think of a better way of describing progress on writing that mm-hmm. doesn't use word count. I feel like word count's basically like the body weight of of writing you know like your weight is not actually very well correlated to anything um except how much you weigh um you know word right. count yeah doesn't help you tell you know was the were these 500 really good words on a really difficult section or were they you know 4000 shitty first draft words or did you cut you know the other day i was sitting down and my job was to cut words so i'm minus 4000 words is that <laughs> good or bad um yeah, yeah so we just don't yeah. have same number of words but every one of the words is a better word than the word that you started with i want ways to kind of describe all of that and yeah i don't have it yet yeah and uh, i know at least one author who maps everything out on a big whiteboard Mm-hmm. With different color post-it notes for different characters, and like maps the the story that way with who's going to be the focal character, what characters, what are the story beats, all that stuff. Uh, I was giving them uh, uh, like ridiculing them on one of their last work streams because I'm like, oh, there's that big box of uh, of post-it notes. You, I know what you're doing, and um, and that actually gives a really vivid to to consider progress because then you can go okay i'm done with this one this one this one and as you get through the board you get much closer to you know you can actually see where the finish yeah yeah i i I love all of these fiction ways of writing because i mean most of what i do is either academic prose or sort of how to um advice kind of prose um and those tend to have it tends to be a bit more nebulous where mm-hmm. you're at with that. 
Um, but yeah, definitely like I write the next bit, I'm the next chunk I need to write or edit or polish up or do research for on the whiteboard. And then when I've done it, I rub it off and write the next thing on. And I definitely find that like erase the thing. I have done it, that physical get up from my desk and like, you know, change the thing over makes me feel like I'm making progress. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was trying to, because in, in academic, it's much more, much more like rigid structures in a lot of ways. So depending on your discipline. So mm-hmm. I'm a cultural historian um, right. and there are, on the one hand, there are extremely tight rules about like what you can and can't write and how you oh. do that and how you format that. But there are also like seriously no rules about things. You know, I was just talking to my co-author about this. This, So it is, it's a journal article I cut 4,000 words from it, and I was like, this is still really way too long. No journal will take this. And he's like, oh, no, I reckon so-and-so will take it if we have a chat. So there's also <laughs> a lot that's quite negotiable. Yeah. Um, and so actually kind of working out, you know, so negotiating with my co-author, negotiating with the publisher. Nego- so there's there's that kind of – but that means that then there's a lot of openness. Yeah. Yeah, one of the publishers Ursula works with are very – open and direct about we want specific length for this specific thing and a lot of it's around um, if it's this specific length in it falls into this specific story when the award nominations start to roll around right yes. so you know and and for uh, authors and publishing houses and fiction uh, those award, awards are huge right? there's yeah. such a big deal Mm. Yeah. And, and and definitely like the like your PhD survival guide, um, mm. which came out with Routledge and they were like, this cannot be more than 50,000 words. If it is, we'll need to do a totally different kind of binding. If we have to do this mm-hmm. totally different kind of binding, the price goes up enormously. So it goes from being like 30 Australian dollars to being like 50, which when you're trying to sell to a, an audience of students who probably don't have that much cash like that's a big deal so you know it was yeah, really important yeah. to us that we we were kind of stayed affordable so we stayed under the under the word limit um yeah whereas i've had other people who are just like next time you have a thing we'll publish it send it to yeah. us we'll work it out yeah 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 and uh, there are yeah there are price points and things like that i found in um, children's publishing Yes, uh, that were very surprising because they, you know, they want to keep it at a price point where the publisher will still make money, the author will still make money, but a parent won't feel like it is too expensive to hand to an eight-year-old. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And and I you think. want to be working in groups of people where you're kind of these people buy lots of books, you know, like an eight-year-old who's a reader. Uh, or a PhD student, like they're actually, they're trying to decide, well, if I buy this book, does that mean I can't afford to buy this other book as well? You know, and you don't want them to be making that decision. You want them to be going, oh, yeah, no, I would love both. We can have both. Or next week I can have it. Yeah. Next week I can get the second one, yeah. And uh, it's interesting. It took a lot of the books uh, a while to get digital uh, versions Mm -hmm. because what parent is – you know, when I was doing stories, they didn't have the nice, you know, child-proof cases or whatever. What parent is going to hand their child their iPad 
so that they can read their book. You know, just like that terrifying concept. Thinking about oh like, my goodness, no. Yeah, when my yeah. kids were four, and like my iPad, and how many times it would hit the ground. Yep. And now there are kids-specific Kindles that are and, made and they're for that safe, sort of drop. and they yeah. can't, you know, somehow get from you know reading the next book in the series to the wilds of the you know dark web. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. We're just you. You are being really this. Um. So now we're we're getting to the what I mean all of the questions are interesting, but now the ones I really, really enjoy getting to. Um the the first of them is so what is the best advice you have been given? Maybe maybe. Uh what's the best advice you would give someone else? The advice that really changed my life was mm-hmm. advice I started giving other people and then was like, oh, maybe I should take this. Almost all my productivity, <laughs> self-improvement stuff is, you know, you do a lot of advising, mm-hmm. give the same advice over and over, and then you're like, ah, yes. <clears throat> all right, advice I give to others shall take myself. Um, yes. And this one was from, uh, it started when I was doing a lot of marking. So I was marking a lot of undergraduate essays, um, you know, giving out grades, And I came to realize that not only was perfect the enemy of done and perfect the enemy of the good, but perfect was the enemy of excellent. And this blew my mind. Never thought of it that way, but I'm going to add that one to my perfect is the enemy of list. Yes. List. So, (laughs) um, you know, the perfection is about not making mistakes. It's about being complete. It's about, you know, taking all the boxes and not having any flaws. Mm-hmm. But excellent work, you know, in academic writing, excellent work is original, it pushes boundaries, mm-hmm. it's interesting, it's scholarly, um, it's incomplete by its very nature because our whole thing is about, like, you contribute an idea and then I build on that idea so like it's about opening up spaces for other people to do stuff so there's all these gaps uh, on purpose the ideas are only partially formed you know these are first and Mm -hmm. second years writing 2,000 word essays like they are not writing their magnum opus but they're doing excellent work so Mm -hmm. they're like opening up space they're pushing the boundaries of knowledge they're learning but they're also teaching me um you know and I've been I've been in this field for 20 years by this stage, and I was just like, oh, my goodness, I have so much to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is all excellent. It's exciting to read, and I enjoyed it. And every time I got one, I was like, yes, this pump of joy, go writing. And I was like, well, hang on. I love reading this stuff. This stuff is excellent, and we give it, like, the top grades, the excellent grades. That's the opposite of what I'm trying to do when I'm trying to write in a way that's perfect. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I sort of suddenly went, hang on, that's probably true for my whole life. <laughs> Go back and rethink everything. Um, and so, but also one of the things about that is that um, in Australia, an excellent grade is an 80. Mm-hmm. In the UK, it was a 70, you know, it sits in different places in different parts of the world. That's kind of not really important. But an 80 is nowhere near 100. And it's certainly nowhere near 120 which is sort of what I'd always been taught. I should be like aspiring to, you know, give not just 100%, but that little bit more. Um, And so starting to try and write in a way that was 
excellent and trying to live towards excellence because I'm actually much more excited about excellence than I am about yeah, yeah. like not making mistakes um, meant that I was sort of leaving some gap. There was still space to improve yeah. at the top end of that. So instead of like sending off this journal article to a journal and then them sending back, you know, feedback and I was just, it was crushing because I'd already given everything I had and more yeah. and it wasn't enough. And, you know, whereas when I started sending things out at, excellent but not finished i had all of this space for people to come in and be like here's a way you could improve it have you thought about this and i'm like i knew there was an issue there thank you yes now i yeah, can yeah. and then together we produce a thing that's 100 percent um but there was space for other people's feedback and energy for me to take that on board and find that useful just transformed my whole way of approaching writing um, but also just being a human being, like when yeah. other people were like, you could do, when you do that, that doesn't help me. Um, rushing when you've given every iota of your body, soul, blood, energy, and you're like, it's still not enough. Whereas if you've done, you know, something that's kind of aiming for excellence and they're like, that didn't help me. It's like, okay, I've got capacity to change up what I do. Change the way yeah, I yeah. refer to you, change my language, change my um, – do some more research, get more informed about this thing um, so that I can be excellent to you and then excellent to the next person who comes along as well, like be more excellent to more people. Um, yeah, so perfection is the enemy of excellence. Um, yeah, it wasn't about downgrading my my – anything didn't have to like let go of my high aspirations just switched what i was aiming for yep, yep. and if you happen to ever reach perfect which is so damn near unattainable you know you can yes. be like well then this is actually done and i can go on to the next thing since you don't have to re hit perfection you could be like i am done now next this is this yeah. is excellent already. This is going to change people's lives, you know, yep. like with um, you know, tech stuff, it's very similar. You can do a thing that will transform that'll be two or three times as good as what was happening before. Not perfect, yep. but you know what? Please give me the thing that's two or three times as good now. <laughs> Don't make me wait for you know, because I have definitely been in projects where we wouldn't release it because it wasn't perfect. And you're yeah. like, you're you're dooming people for another two or three years to this unworkable system because you won't give them something that's twice as good now. Yeah. We can do something that's four times as good in two years' time. That's awesome. Let's do both. Yeah. 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 We'll start here, and then we can improve and continually improve. And I'm big on continual improvement. That's you yeah. know, sort of how I make my living, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And now for the really fun ones. I mean, fun for some people. Um, so I'm really excited about these questions because I ask these questions of the students I advise, and oh. I know that they are hard questions. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to have the tables turned uh, and have to, like, be in the seat. So we'll just all in. Um, how do you deal with failure or missed goals? So as you can probably tell, I used to deal with failure really badly. 
failure was crushing, failure was a failure, you know, I'd given everything and then I still failed and then I just was devastated. You know, I had, I'd given everything so I didn't have anything left and that meant I definitely didn't have any resilience to deal with it not working out. Um, you know, and, and the aim of perfection, of course, is that it's all going to be perfect because you put in the effort to make it perfect. Uh, and then when that didn't work out, that was, you know, kind of the end of everything. Yeah. So I stopped thinking about it as failing. Um, so this is part of my aiming for excellence instead of aiming for perfection. Um, I don't like to fail, but I do like to experiment and I do like to draft. Oh. So now I'm like, okay, this is a go. This is an experiment. I'm going to try this out and see what happens. And a right. negative result in an experiment isn't a failure. A negative result is useful information. And a draft that you do that is Anne Lamott's term, shitty first draft, which I love, yeah. Um, yeah. is great, right? It's a, you, I'm trying to sit down and write a shitty first draft. Here is my draft. It is shit. Win! <laughs> <laughs> do not submit the shitty first draft. Like, I need to do more work on it. But, like, I've, I've yeah, made yeah. the progress that I needed to. Um, and so, like, now when I go for job interviews, I'm like, this is an experiment. It's an experiment for both of us. I'm doing an imaginative experiment about whether or not this job will suit me, and you're doing an imaginative experiment about whether or not I will suit you. And if we find that it doesn't, that's really useful information. Yeah. A, that reduced my stress about it, you know, made me feel much happier about jobs that I don't get. But also, of course, now I'm a lot better at interviews, right? I'm chilled. I'm yeah. myself. I'm um, so I also started failing a lot less when I started being open to seeing something as an exploration or an experiment. Um, and so now I set myself up occasionally when I've got a bit of time. I'm like, today I'm going to try a new productivity technique or a new place for writing or a you know new way of doing something. I'm going to see it. I'm going to do an experiment. I often live tweet it on Twitter or, you know, <laughs> share it on my blog. Um, and I'm like, here's what I tried. It was a disaster. Here's why I think it was a disaster. Um, maybe you'll learn from this and maybe you'll read this and go, didn't work for her, but that sounds perfect for me. And maybe you'll all be like, that sounds terrible. I'm so glad somebody else tried that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. What I wanted you to do, browser, I'm trying to find a quote because there is uh, actually a, uh, there it is. Yeah. Um, uh, the Thomas Edison quote, um, I have not found 10,000 ways that won't work. Right. I yeah. mean, that's the whole thing about it. Now, admittedly, uh, Edison had, a lot of employees who found 10,000 ways it won't work. But, I mean, but yeah. with with that sort of, that was the, the attitude that um, he went into things. All right, fine, we're going to experiment. Or we, I, I have an idea. I want to make a thing, and now I'm, we're going to set out all the parameters and all the different people to try to make right? And, okay, we found a way that doesn't next. Yep. Yeah. And, and also ways that work but don't necessarily work for you. So a lot of – I love the whole productivity literature. It's one of the reasons I listen to Productivity Alchemy. Um, but, you know, I read a lot of these blogs. Yeah, yeah. I read a lot of books. Um, and 
there are things where I'm like, wow, that really works for you. Like all the people who do bullet journaling. And I'm like, I love the sound of everything about it. And I know it would not work for me. Um, yeah. Because I tried. <laughs> it was a complete, like just, it was so faffy. And I spent so much time like trying to remember how to do the bullet journaling that I wasn't doing the productivity. Um, but for other people, it's the best thing and it's so motivating and it's so helpful. So, you know, it's not that unlike a light bulb, which, you know, works when you turn it on or not, um, a lot of these things, you don't know if it's going to work for you. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't mean anything if this thing that everybody else loves is not the thing that you love. My recycle bin is gone through, I don't know how many um, different styles of planner pages, whether I printed them out or the only way to buy them was here's, you know, a kit of the of a year's worth or a thing. God, digital downloads and print at home because that meant I wasn't spending, you know, 40 bucks on a stack of paper that eventually ends up at the recycle center. Yep. But, uh, you know, I have gone through so many and it's like, well, this one doesn't work for me. Next, next, next. Um, yep. Uh, and I find that, you know, and you can see, well, okay, you can't actually see. I'd have to move lights and things around, but I have like all of the, I, one of the habits I picked up from uh, Franklin Covey is keep an archive. Uh -huh. Yep. So, um, since I've started on and off the podcast and trying to get myself back into these good habits, when one isn't working or whatever, I archive it for the year. And so there is a, a stack of um, different, not a stack, but they're on the shelf of different storage of like, this is 2017 and it's part disc bound and part. Um, 2017, we went to Dublin and got the file of facts, or, you know, but, or, you know, it's journal pages shoved into a thing or whatever. And, oh my goodness, yeah. binding is so important. So either I'm taking notes on, like, completely loose, um, I'm taking notes on little mm -hmm. um, index cards, uh, which is my sort of preferred way to keep notes for things that are not going to stay. Um, yep. And if I'm taking notes in any way that makes that I'm going to want to look back at later, it has to be a bound book. So either one of those little moleskin cahiers, you know, mm -hmm. the little floppy ones, um, which yeah, are for yeah. sort of notes when I talk to students and stuff, um, or if I'm doing meetings, moleskin does a pro notebook oh, yeah. that has like a that has the top bit, like a Cornell method of note-taking, but upside down, so a bit where you kind of do the summary. I'm trying to learn Cornell right now. I'm oh! I'm trying to learn Cornell right now, and I... You, you oh. might need to tweak it. I'm just fla flashing a book in, in, in your face. Um, so this is Level Up Your Essays, um, How to Get Better Grades at University with Inga Mewburn, me, and Sean Lehman. Um, and in it, I have a way of taking Cornell notes that I was like, this is great, but it's designed for lectures for undergraduates. Uh, I need a different way of taking it that works for um, the kind of essays that I'm writing. So I've redone it. But actually for um, – for meetings, I find that the way that the – so they're all about study, but actually for meetings, the way that the moleskin does it is actually better because it has the summary space on top. Okay, yeah. And yeah. that means that, you know, sometimes the summary is who did I meet and what was the theme of this meeting and some and my to-do items. Um, yeah, so it's kind of 
that's on top as opposed to on the bottom and that just is so much better yeah so um playing around with how you use it definitely yeah and it's interesting what? for productivity alchemy i'm i'm able to say like okay the right hand sidebar immediately i've got there's your pronouns that we checked with the mm -hmm. beginning here's a content warning that we're not gonna mm -hmm. need unless you're about to surprise me um <laughs> <laughs> I can put numbers in the corners, um, and I can do just a little highlight of, hey, pay attention to this on that sidebar, which is, you know, my my normal note-taking style, and you kind of see it as sort of a, a half-assed markdown, if you're familiar mm -hmm. with the markdown uh, uh, text language. Yep. Text language, formatting language. Uh, yep. That's what I use for all of my documentation at work, right? It Perfect. Is so so you're using it. It's, yeah, yeah, so I'm using that. But I'm finding this sidebar now where I can just add little annotations and things. That's kind of handy. And I'm still getting my way through all of the different first that came with all of the different half-size ring-bound planners. I, or not ring-bound, uh, disc-bound planners I bought. Um, uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, I use different sized. I have, when I'm doing uh, Cornell notes if I'm doing research. So like I go to the library and I do take notes by hand. I find that's much the best way for me to like process oh, yeah, yeah. the information. Um, so I have a particular ruler that is the correct uh, width to okay. go with the kind of spiral notebook that I use for my academic notes, but I use, yeah, so I have like four different widths because you have to like have enough space on top of, um, but also I always have two margins. So okay. Cornell only has one, and mm -hmm. I am a massive fan of two margins. So one of them is a technical, like page numbers, uh, little asterisks to say this is important, um, you know, a place for me to pop arrows to kind of, you know, connect things together. So like quite a narrow but really um, find things later kind of margin. And right. then a like more reflective kind of margin that's about themes or keywords or um, ideas that it sparks where I'm like, oh, I should go and do this other thing over here. Um, yeah, so a, a sort of two, because otherwise I was trying to do the technical stuff in the same uh, margin as yeah, I was doing the yeah. big picture work. So it's, um, for me, it's about focal distance. Uh -huh. yep. Very detailed, actual quote big picture themes, connections, full overview, summary. Yeah, yeah so sort of yeah. global view, big view, small view. Uh, and if I'm looking at the wrong bit, I it's like looking at it with your multifocals through the wrong bit of your glass. It's just oh. like none of this is working. And it's it's even worse when you're like me with the progressives where you can't, you don't have the physical <laughs> lines anymore. So doing this all the yeah. time, trying to figure out where the right spot is. Yeah. Um, for those of you listening at home, that was me, like, bending my head back. And, and, and do you get the thing? I, I find some people do this, and I'm one of them, where you're trying to see something up close, and so you move your down, so and then you end up opening your mouth while you lean your head back to look just right through that one zone of the, yeah. Um, um, I'm really short-sighted, so actually if I need to see something up close, I take my glasses off. And because of that, I now okay. I gave up on multifocals and have, like, different things because I'm forever taking my glasses off to look at a thing up close and then putting it back on to see the screen. And then, yeah, so 
Yeah, they, I've hit the point now where in order to use the, the up-close portion, if I'm taking off my glasses, I should put on a reading glass to curve for that. So, it's, yeah. Yep. <sighs> All right, so we, we meandered a little bit. That's fine. Um, so now the big question is, do you celebrate your successes, and if so, how? I absolutely celebrate my successes. Um, when I was doing my PhD, I was working all day and then my partner would come home and he'd say, how was your day? And I'm like, ah, oh, so, you know, I made some progress on chapter four, but I still haven't done this and I still haven't done that and mm. I still haven't done this other thing. I mean, a PhD, um, once you've finished your coursework section, which is done differently in different countries, there's sort of three to four years of just writing a thesis. And so yep. for two plus years, you are making progress, but nowhere near done. And that was really, it was just nebulous. And there was all this stuff that I still hadn't done. It was very stressful. And, you know, I'd say, and I'm still doing all of this. And there was kind of nothing my partner could say except, oh, I believe you'll get there. You'll, you'll, yeah. you'll be okay. You know, like comforting, but not, you know, and then I started to, um, I basically reinvented the wheel and reinvented the done list. Now I'm like, oh, everybody has one of these. This is a thing. <laughs> but it was a revelation to me and I sort of built it myself. Um, this is like 15 years ago before the internet was quite as good as it is now. Um, yeah, so a, a daily resume, done list, to done list. They're called a whole range of things, but they're all the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what they, what it did was I just went, so I, you know, I wrote 2000 words. Um, I read three chapters of the book. I handed back a whole lot of things to the library. Um, and my partner could say, well done. That was great. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. what a productive day. So I could tell myself I'd done well. I'm very, um, like most people, very amenable to praise. Uh, yes, I yep. can tell somebody else <laughs> that I've done it and then they praise me. So that's double praise. Um, and when I've done something really big, so, you know, finished a, finished the full first shitty draft of a book, finished the copy edits of a book, finished, you know, the proof page read through of a book, any of those kind of like big things, um, in the pre-plague times, we'd go out for dinner. Oh, yeah. Um, and we had a little place near us that was just, was open quite late and you didn't ever need to book. So you'd just rock up and be like, it's nine o'clock at night, but we will now have wine and eel pate and <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just fantastic. That place is closed because of the pandemic. And, right. Right. Yeah. And nobody's allowed to go out and eat out in Melbourne right now. But when we're, when we're allowed to, that's what we do. Um, and now we're kind of, we're finding ways of doing that. Um, I'm the person who cooks dinner. So, um, Hooray! Let's do a celebratory dinner that I've yes. worked really hard and now I cook is not working no. for us. So we're no. we're practicing some other things. So that one's we're working on. But yes, definitely celebrate your wins. Um, apart from anything else, that fills my tank for when okay. the days are hard. You know, there are days when you know none of the experiments have worked. And I'm like, am I a terrible writer? Am I a person with no, you know, work mojo? Oh, yeah. yeah, everybody has the has the doubts. Everybody has the sads. Um, 
but if you've done really concrete stuff, um, like keeping a little praise folder, you know, where you're like, oh, do, do, do students hate my teaching? You go back and look at your feedback and you're like, no, no. Your manager thinks you're great. Students think you're great. Your partner thinks you're great. You do finish things. You might not be today, but that's don't wallow here. Keep moving. Keep sort of yeah. trudging through the slough of despond. Um, and then you'll have another win that you can celebrate somewhere in that future. So it kind of keeps light at the end of the tunnel uh, on bad days, as well as being just really lovely and fun on good days. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. Um, before we get to the where to do online bits, um, and do you have anything for note? I'm going to go straight to, uh, is there a charity you'd like us to support or to tell our listeners to support? Yes. So okay. here in Australia, it's okay. Reconciliation Action Week, which is a week of action with around um, reconciliation, which is our technical term for oh, yeah. uh, working together with our Indigenous, um, so our First Peoples, um, and acknowledging um, the terrible history uh, and terrible present. Uh, lots of racial inequities still going on, lots of systemic um, disadvantage still being, you know, enacted mm-hmm. on people uh, from First Nations backgrounds as well as historical appalling things oh, that were yeah. happening. So all of that, and so I thought with all of that in mind, uh, I would suggest that uh, people either, they were yes. sort of in, in my neck of the woods, uh, gave to the Koori uh, Heritage Trust, which is uh, Koori is the name for the um, Indigenous people, so the Aboriginal people who live in what's now Victoria and southern New South Wales, so my area. Um, so it's a group of language, you know, tribes and language yeah, groups yeah, and yeah. all of that together. Um, and if they're not in my part of the world, find someone um, where you are, I know, in the yeah. US and in Canada. And a whole lot of places there are similar um, yes. needs for reconciliation and sim- similar organizations. Yeah, I'll send you a link oh, with yeah. the with how Please. to find these people. Yeah, yeah, because because no you won't know how to spell Corey. Yeah. No, <laughs> and it can be in fact anglicized in about three different ways. That's um, uh, so common. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am familiar with how that works. <laughs> yes. Wow. All right. So where do we find you online? Where, where do we check out your books? Fantastic. Thank you. So yeah. um, you can find me online at researchinsiders.blog, um, where I share, you know, if I've had a success or a failure with a new productivity tool or I think about writing or any of those things, um, something comes out most weeks. You can buy my books, level up your essays, how to get better grades at university with Ingham Uburn uh, and Sean Lehman, uh, or how to fix your academic writing trouble, a practical guide, uh, which is for <laughs> so level ups for undergraduates, academic writing troubles for sort of postgrads, same team, or with Liam Connell and Peter Freestone, your PhD survival guide, planning, writing, and succeeding in your final year. Uh, if you find my blog and click on the little menu item that says books, 
There's links, <laughs> and you can go and find uh, them. But they're available most places. The books are sold in e yes. and paperback versions. Um, woo! Uh, yes, and you can find me on Twitter. Um, uh-huh. Most of my writing stuff is uh, at uh, Research Insiders. So at Research Insider, no s, because I was not good at like matching my plurals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It happens. Yep. <laughs> so, um, awesome. And I'll send those, I'll send all of those through because yeah, then that's easier to like whack them in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still going to be like, okay, let's take this and plug it in. All right, let's get a, a good URL. And then I paste it in to the right spot in the show notes. And it's fine. But anytime <laughs> I have helper like notes or emails to go with that, bonus. Um, Fantastic. Big bonus. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Yeah. That was so much fun. Oh yeah, no, I, I enjoy. I try to have fun. I like it to be fun. If it's not fun, well, I mean, when you're doing this good. thing for yeah. kind of as a, as a bonus to the universe, if it's not giving you joy, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, believe me, that's that's partly partly why I do it is because it uh, it I'm 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 having fun, and as long as I'm having fun, we'll keep going. Brilliant. Five years is a really long. Yeah, we just time. started. We just this is. You, um, if I'm right, uh, and I wrong, things might reschedule between now and when this actually airs, folks. So here I am predicting the future, and you get to tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. <laughs> but right now I've got you scheduled in for episode 208. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah. You know that's that's about as long as a PhD. Uh huh. Like that's that's really the yeah. length of time it takes to become an, an expert and a world thing. expert. Ooh, yeah. Here we go. Here is this is the volume one book of years Yay. one four, and I believe that is probably about the thick the notes I've known who's gotten a PhD has taken. In just fact, I have mine just here. Let's let's do a comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Oh dear. Sorry. Well, like like. Crashing. Yeah. No, 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 no. For the people at home, this is a half-letter disc-bound notebook using. I'd say that's two pretty inch... much of a muchness. Yeah. These are these are two-inch diameter rings, holding yep. this, or discs holding this together. So yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and these days we have like portfolio PhDs as well as your typical like big book oh, yeah, thesis yeah. PhDs. So you know. PhD by broadcast publication, like, you know, yeah. the thing. But this is, so yeah, um, this is, this just feels like just being able to hold this in my hand and I can't share these with anybody because I'll be honest, no one can read my handwriting. Um, <laughs> or, or what does that shortcut me mean or whatever? But uh, for me, being able to take this into my hand and go, go, this is, you know, four years of doing this show, it's, it's great. It just feels good, right? Doesn't it? I mean, this is one yeah. of the reasons that it's, you know, like you have to you have to bind your thesis. It's one of the rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also having it like, oh, oh, I have a knowledge. I, mm-hmm. I know things. This Look, look at this thing that I know. Because um, knowledge is so intangible and expertise is often yeah. really invisible um and so making it a thing it's like when a book comes and yeah you've had the ebooks you've had the proofs like the book has existed 
oh, for a while. Yeah. And then the box with the books that you open and it has the smell of the books and you have the feeling and like the color, like the color of level up did not reproduce well in it's a sort of it's it's really a kind <laughs> yeah, of kyoto temple mm-hmm. orangey red it's really glossy yeah, yeah. the paper inside is like really rough so you want to write on it none of that is true until it's literally a thing in your hand every time um, we get that box of of advanced reader copies every time it's like christmas or your celebratory gift giving holidays um yeah and then Sometimes it's a little bit of a letdown when the actual author copies come in because it's like, oh, like Ursula will get to go, oh god, that's a thing I wrote. I I finished that like a year ago. I I guess feel now and then goes back to doing the thing. But when the arc shows up, uh, the arc is when it sort of becomes more real because that's the first time you get to hold it. In your- and I think it's that becomingness moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the moment yeah, that you've yeah. succeeded, right? That's the moment that you're yeah. like, ha, I made a thing. Um, and then there's an awful lot of your life where you're like, oh, no, another box of books. Where do I stash that? <sighs> I haven't written yeah. anything like as many as us, but, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we actually had one where it's like, here are all of the leftovers we had at the factory that we're not <laughs> going to ship. So we'll just ship them to you. I forget which book that was. It wasn't it wasn't the it was one of the smaller publishers. Yeah. And it was like, that's cool because we actually got people asking for them. But. Yeah, now we have to store them. <laughs> now I'm a warehouse. Yeah, yeah. And since we can't go to conventions, it'd be hard to move them yeah. in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was lovely to, um, you know, having had mm-hmm. your voice and the cats and everything <laughs> in my ears as part of my, you know, 2020, 2021, that's been, mm-hmm. you know, really quite a um, an isolated kind of year. A lot of the kind of, tell me about it. Uh, you know, ambient noise and ambient conversations have sort of disappeared, and podcasts have been a really big part of that. So it was really lovely to connect and, yes. you know, talk and hear your stuff. And um, I'm really looking forward to the things that are coming out. So am I. I'm, I, I, I have an idea, and I'm still excited. So, you know, we'll go. Awesome. And, um, yeah. and for the people at home, we will be right back after this. I just realized that um, currently, I think Dr. Firth is actually living in Australia, not New Zealand, but um, yeah, in Melbourne. So I called that wrong at the end of the last segment. But still, that's a very far away from here. Yes, and I'm sure neither New Zealanders or Australians ever get irked by people confusing the two. I'm so dead. <laughs> 
honestly, yeah, it's like Canadians. Canadians don't mind being mistaken for Americans, right? Right? No, that was a joke, people. Um, if you're not from North America, don't. Uh, if you confuse Canadians and Americans, uh, the Americans will be vaguely flattered, and the Canadians will get this very set look. Do you know what's worse? What? Quebecois and Canadians. Uh, well, only the the very militant Quebecois. Yes. But yes. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Thank you, Catherine, for coming on the podcast. We had a lot of fun talking. I had a lot of fun talking to you. I think it was great. And I hope everybody checks out the stuff in the show notes, because there's a lot, including... Oh, wait, I'm doing this in the wrong order. You, you can do it in whatever order you uh, want. Yeah, well, that's true, but I, I just got in the flow. So I need to talk about our word. Yes, the First, word, the badge the code. The word, the badge code, is excellence. 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 That's All right. right. Because as uh, Dr. Firth said, um, perfect, perfect is the enemy of excellent. It's true. It really is. I, uh, really yes. Is. Yeah. Now let's do the proper segue. Uh, when you go to productivityalchemy.com and enter that badge code and get the badge and read the how-to, you'll also see a link there that says support. Yes, you could send us money. We would kind of rather you didn't. We're doing great. Uh, and we would prefer you give money to a charity. And what is the charity this week uh, that we're suggesting? This month it is the uh, Kuri Heritage Trust, which uh, their vision is to live in a society where Aboriginal culture and history are a fundamental part of Victorian life. That's um, Victoria in southeastern Australia. Yes, not as in Queen... Well, I mean, possibly as in Queen Victoria. Oh, yeah, that's what it was named for. Yeah. But not as in the Victorian age. Right, right, right. right. This is a specifically Australian a charity. Yeah, right. and so uh, there is... Uh, it promotes and celebrates continuing journey of their Aboriginal people of Southeastern Australia. And it works with education, it does promotion, and um, is raising awareness and cultural diversity, when I think is absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. And, and a really important thing. If you're not the kind of person who wants to give money to a place far, 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 far away from you, which, hey, go you, um, any of the other racial justice and equality organizations we featured in the past is also um, acceptable, according to Dr. Firth. Yes, great choice. Yeah, but uh, I personally will be, you know, uh, maybe sending a couple bucks to the Kuri Heritage Trust. Fantastic. Yep. Ah, so that's it this week. Yes. Yeah. Sergey, you have not rolled on my keyboard and you are cleaning yourself. That that means it's a ticking... Oh, oh, here we go. All right, we should we should end the show quickly before Sergey, you know, yeah, yeah, changes yeah, 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 all yeah. your settings. So, um, thank you all for listening. Uh, it's been a great week. Uh, great month so far. I hope everybody else is having a good month, whether it's summer where you're at or winter where you're at or somewhere in between. Y'all just go out there and do your best to be productive. Everyone will hate this book, and they will throw rocks at me in the street. Let me just get out my little tiny violin to play an accompaniment with you, Miss Locus Award winner, Miss Nebula Award winner, Miss Hugo Award winner. This will be the one where they all wonder if something terrible happened to me. Really? Just, there's no pleasing you right now. Huh. <sighs>